friends, um, before we dive into the scriptures, I just wanted to say and seize the opportunity to really thank you on behalf of Soshi and myself. We want to thank you for all the love that we received last Sunday. It was very special. I hope that you were also encouraged also with the celebration. And just can we give everyone here a huge applause because really, friends, we were... We really spoke and affirm that Jesus is in this place and he's the center of our community. And a big shout out to, you know, I could name names and, and, and whatnot, but I really just felt compelled to say thank you, Myrna, uh, because uh, your, your help, your, your uh, collaboration and, and, and support and, and coordination of all the food, that is a big big task. And so we want to thank you on behalf of the staff, on behalf of Soshi and I, we just want to say thank you for your love. Well, uh, friends, so the elders and the, the men said, hey, pastor, if your sermon comes out uh, kind of uh, half-baked on Sunday, just tell them that you were at the guys' camp and everyone will be a little bit more forgiving. So um, I hope not, but uh, I really enjoyed my time with the guys. Uh, hopefully next year we can have more guys there. Really a fun place to be and just be a dude for a while. <laughs> um, and just uh, be surrounded by other men and be encouraged and just hear different perspectives addressed directly to our men from the older to the younger. We have something to learn from each other and uh, those guys are having fun up there. Um, they're eating like crazy so they might uh, come back a little overweight but uh, have a little grace on them and put them back on the right track towards a diet and I'm sure they'll be fine. Um, okay friends, open up your Bible again to Colossians chapter 1. We haven't quite made our way out of here because there's some important things that we want to consider. And so we want to remain firm in Colossians chapter 1 verses 3 through 8. Again, we're going to read the whole text and then um, start unpacking uh, some of the things that we want to listen from the word of God for our lives today. So it goes like this. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the key. When we pray for you, this is a prayer, okay? And many scholars believe this prayer goes all the way to verse 23. So he's praying, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth or the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it is also, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now, this is important for us. Again, this is a prayer. 
This is not just a prayer. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. And even as we begin to prepare ourselves for this latter part of the season of the year, which we kick off, and unfortunately, uh, many people believe that Thanksgiving is one of those uh, uh, holidays and celebrations that has been least commercialized. Now, not anymore. It's been so commercialized now, and, and, and really the, the spirit of generosity and thankfulness is something that is eroding in our society. And it's important for us to reconsider from the, from the view of Scripture the importance of thanksgiving. As you're going to find out this morning, as I have a couple of special announcements and some other elements in this sermon, but we have a reason to be grateful and thankful. Now, things might not look like we prefer them to, to look like or, or even be as we prefer them to be. But thankfulness or thanksgiving does, is not contingent on our circumstances. You can be experiencing calamity and be thankful. You can be experiencing illness and sickness and financial catastrophes and yet you could still have a heart that is grateful. In fact, if, if you don't believe me, uh, you can turn to Scripture and go to somewhere like uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What do we learn there? We learn of believers who were under extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. These believers were, were believers in Macedonia from extreme, yet they were very generous with their financial support for the ministry. And so we see that, and, but, but here, I want to I set these verses in your mind and in your heart, how Paul viewed prayer throughout the book of Colossians. So for example, go to Colossians 4.2. Listen what Paul would tell the believers in Colossae. Continue steadfastly. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Watch this. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Mm. That's a good word for today. Be steadfast in prayer. Being watchful with thanksgiving. Uh, look what Colossians 4, 3 and 4 have to say about prayer. At the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. He realizes his limitations. He realizes what he can't do. And so being in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. We should pray for clarity. And I, I on a weekly basis, I mean, I've been preaching in Spanish for for about almost 20 years, so I stumble on my English now. That's why I said last week, uh, or, or, or the week prior, I said, um, I'm going to start speaking in Spanish. I'm going to pray that God gives you the gift of interpretation. <laughs> right? But, 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 so we understand, we want clarity to speak. We, we want to declare God's word with all clarity. And, 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 and if that wasn't enough, look, the, look at the importance of church leadership praying for the congregation. And this is, this is what Paul was communicating uh, from him and the co-laborers towards the believers in Colossae. Um, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And so, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And once again, we turn to the book of Colossians to see how Paul viewed prayer, and we have to arrive almost at the end of the letter here in, in Colossians 4.12, which unpacks the context the context of, of the verses that we're reading here in verses 3 through 8. And, and look, what, look what Paul just very carefully allowed us to know about this, this awesome leader, this awesome servant within the Colossi church who was dearly respected and loved. Look what he says, Epaphras. We don't know too much about him. All we know is that he was a faithful servant of Christ who is one of you, from Colossae, and he said, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. And notice this, greets you, and then comma, always struggling on your behalf. Here's the key word. In his prayers. That's what we call intercession. That is a person who is constantly taking you before the Lord. Now I, as your, your lead pastor, have the privilege and the honor to go before the Lord on your behalf. When you're traveling, when you're working, when you're experiencing illnesses, I go before the Lord on your behalf, pleading the love and the mercy and the compassion of God upon your lives. I want you to know that about me. I want you to know that somebody here is praying for you. The team, the staff, we pray on your behalf. What an honor it is for us to cry out to God and say, Lord, would you rain your favor and your grace upon your people? That is important, friends. It is important and it's very encouraging in our lives that we, when we confront problems and crises in the world, there are those who go before the Lord on our behalf and they pray. And notice the word that Paul uses there. He struggles. Sometimes prayer is a struggle, especially when there's a good football game on TV. <laughs> I'll be honest. Here's my confession again. You know, the, the tension of the TV it draws me. And yet the Lord says, hey, turn it off. I want to talk to you. It's that struggle when the sheets are more warmer and it's too cold and crispy out there. And the Lord says, get up. Let's talk. Oh, Lord, can it wait till about six in the morning or seven? <laughs> Yet he has a constancy about the struggling on their behalf. Um, let's keep on uh, going. So uh, what is the whole focus of this? Well, I really struggled with even mentioning this. But grammatically, if you observe the text from, especially from verses 6, 7, and 8. Um, let's see. Hopefully this doesn't come out wrong. And please, I'll ask for some forgiveness if it does come out wrong. Uh, you, you linguists or wordsmiths are probably going to say, Pastor, that's not how you say this. Here's how you pronounce this. But, but here. So in Greek, when you read these these two words in verses 6 and, and uh, 7 in your English translation, it just says as. 
But in Greek, it's a little bit comparative. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that the word in Greek will say, just as. So just as, and then it's comparing it to something. Uh, just as, so I call them the three just as is. <laughs> okay, so you got it. I don't, I don't want to repeat that because I don't want to blow it here. But three times you get this just as. And, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. And hopefully you'll find encouragement in these three uses of the word just as. To build up our faith. To stimulate us. To encourage us. To motivate us. That these believers at this time who were struggling with something that was threatening their faith. That we're going to be getting into in a, here in a little bit. Um, but but th this, this, this threat that was infecting the, the faith of these believers. And yet Paul in his prayer, in a very instrumental way, reminds them of the importance of intercessory prayer. This intercessory prayer. And in fact, Epaphras was constantly struggling on it. So this is, this is why I love it. Uh, uh, when grandma used to say, hey, you know, um, theory... Without uh, 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 theology, without neology, is pure theory. Theology without neology is pure theory. Or as my mom would tell me, son, you need to develop camel knees. I said, what are camel knees, mom? They have to hurt. You have to do the hard work. I read scripture and I never read in scripture where the flesh wants to sacrifice itself to seek God. The flesh is always seeking its own benefit. It's, it's seeking its own comfort. It's seeking its own, uh, uh, it, it's all about me. We saying, you know, it's all about you, Jesus. No, it's all about me, Jesus. Right? That's what the flesh is always saying. And here, there's three focuses that I want to leave in your heart this morning. And the, the, the first one is found in, in verse 6. Paul's intercessory prayer included a universal impact to the gospel. Here, we mentioned it. You saw it in the announcements. We're talking about uh, October 28th. Little couple of, of encouragements to you. Caesar, I don't know if you looked at your, your, your reach right now. You're at over 7,000 people who have looked at our ad on Facebook. You have 31 people who have shared our event on social media who don't attend this church at all. Plus, Craig, you won't let me lie. There's another food truck that said, hey, we want to be part of your event. So they, they, they signed up for it. I, I, I passed them over to Craig and said, hey, Craig, you're, you guys are the, the final word here. What do you think? And they, they, they uh, yeah, so we're going to have uh, rice on wheels. Yeah, they're going to join us here. This is exciting, friends. Why? Because it's not just an event. It's not just a, a time to come for food and music and have fun. This is an opportunity for us to invite the world in and let them see what we're doing here. The word of God is going to get out. It's going to spread out in our community. And people are going to respond with curiosity and hurt and pain and needs. Are we ready, dear friends? Because this is what we are praying for. 
Just like Paul was telling the, the, the believers in Colossae when he says, which has come to you? What has come to them? We know it's the gospel. And then there's that word, as, just as. Here's the comparable. Just as the gospel has come to you, it's also going in throughout the world. That's beautiful, friends. Why? Because our God is an always active God. God is not, um, hey God, I'm an 8 to 5 type of God. God is a 24-7 God. 365 days that when we're asleep, he's transforming lives around the world. When you and I are enjoying peace, God is working in the midst of war and destruction. We may not like war. We may not like death. We might not like calamity. But in the midst of all of that, somebody is praying, Lord, have your way in the midst of death, destruction, and calamity. Let your faithful service preach the gospel. Let the word of Christ be exalted in the midst of all this darkness in our society. The church is called not to be the church in the light. The church is called to be the church of, of light in the darkness. Church, let's not run away from the community. Let's run towards the community. Let's not run away from the community and the sin of the world. Let's run towards it. And let's let the gospel light radiate through our lives so that people could see Jesus in us. That's the danger, friends. And if we don't pay attention to that, we too will be like the monastics. That when, the, when, when, when calamity was coming, what did the monastics do? They ran away from society and they secluded themselves in the mountains and in the hills because they, didn't want, they did not want to be contaminated by sin. In other words, they were irrelevant to their world. They had a purpose. And so this is what Paul is getting at here. And we're seeing this. Now notice these two uh, uh, um, phrases in there, right? We see that, that it has come to you as indeed the... Some people, some scholars say this is a, a bit of hyperbole. I don't think it's hyperbole. I think the gospel is always at work. God is a moving God. But notice these two, these two descriptors here that, that, that help us amplify what is happening around the world. Two things. It's bearing fruit and increasing. Friends, I will suggest these two have radical implications for our life. When you think about something that bears fruit, what is it talking about? It's not too complicated. You don't need to go to seminary to find this out. Fruit is produced on the inside out. When you plant a lime tree, you're expecting some limes. You better not get apples because something's wrong with your tree, <laughs> right? Same thing with the gospel in our lives. If we say we have the Lord of hosts, the creator of all the universe in our lives, something has to burst out of us. Something is created. Well, um, Galatians 5.22 would tell us the fruit of the spirit. It's impossible to be a believer and not have the fruit of the Spirit. Something has to be changing. That's the fruit he's alluding to you here. The gospel is having significant impact in people's lives. It's bearing fruit. That's internal. But notice the other word. It's increasing. Now, I know that there's all kinds of debates out there in the church planting world and in and, and, and the Christian world. Well, we shouldn't be focused on increase. 
Well, here's my rebuttal to that. Healthy things grow. You can't stop it. Healthy things grow. It's impossible to say that we are disciples of Jesus if we're not seeing reproduction. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. My small group can't remain a small group that's closed. There has to be growth. Something has to be happening. If all, we're, all of us are it that's going to be in the boat that's going to be saved, I would say we're missing the generation of people, the younger generation. We're missing the disabled. We're missing the, the ethnicities, the representation of the world here. They're here, friends. I drove down the, my street on Nokan, and, and, and there's a, a Buddhist temple, and, and there's also a Sikh temple. So we can't say they're in India anymore or they're in Asia. They're here in our backyard. And we have to figure out how are we going to relate. Not wait till they relate to us. We need to go out and relate to them. This is what Paul was praying for. He was saying, I thank God that the gospel, you have received the gospel. But it's also in the world and is bearing fruit. Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. We are called to bear fruit, friends. We are called to bear fruit. There's no way around it. I could be 85 years old. I'm still called to bear fruit. When do we stop bearing fruit? <laughs> when we're in the grave. <laughs> That's it. A friend of mine said, hey, Pablo, when are you going to retire? I'm saying, dude, I'm only 52. I mean, why are you telling me when am I going to retire? But he was asking me, when are you going to stop serving the Lord? Wow, you actually stop when you're when you stop breathing, right? You, you, that's it. You're in the grave. You're in a, in a state of just waiting. But there, that's our call. And, and, and he says it very clearly. Bearing fruit in every good work and, there it is, increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, if our orthodoxy grows, praise the Lord. But our orthodoxy must cross with the praxis. And, if, and it, that's good because we can, I love theology. And that's praise God for theology because it informs my, my conduct. It should inform my, my praxis. But if all I'm getting is the theology and I'm not putting that in practice, I'm just kidding myself. I'm just living something. I'm puffing up my, my head with a lot of spiritual pride. Um, so... A lot of things, right? We can talk about being fruitful, increase. John chapter 15. There's a big debate. What does it mean to bear fruit? Some say it's internal fruit. Some say, some say it's external fruit. Wherever you land in that debate, praise God. But everyone agrees. You cannot be productive, innovative. You can't be uh, uh, um, uh, creative without Jesus. That's what that parable teaches Jesus is the center of all productivity, innovation, and creativity. That's it. Okay, secondly, I'm going to run through this because um, my time is winning me. Okay, um, friends, here's a prime example. This morning, I want you to see tangible fruit of your prayers. I want to show you 
how God is going to respond to our prayers here at Clovis EV Free. We, we are fearful for the future because we don't know what the future holds. But God does. God's already in the future. He's got your future in his hands. And God has heard our prayers by saying, Lord, in order to become this intergenerational church, we need to reach out the other generation that isn't being touched. So what did God do? He provided somebody here within our congregation to say, hey, pastor, I feel the call of God in my life. I want to be used by God. Would you just guide me and resource me? Friends, can we do that this morning? Could we pause all of the formalities of preaching and homiletics? I know I'm going to fail homiletics again. But I want to invite a good friend by the name of Haley Bustamante. Haley, would you come up here? Would you give her an applause? Because this is awesome. <laughs> Haley, she, well, she, she asked me not to talk because her voice is a little down. So bear with her. But Haley... Just maybe nodding yes. Um, you're about to be married next year, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, she about to, that's, a, that's a big end. That's a, that's a no-brainer, right? So, so she's busy. She's busy. She doesn't have time to take more things on her life. And this is how God works. He uses busy people. In fact, a friend of mine said it this way. God, you're, you're not fat, and I'm not trying to tell you. But, 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 but he said, God uses fat people. And I know many of you have heard of this before. You've been in church a long time. God uses fat people. Faithful, available, and teachable. She's not perfect. She doesn't have life. She's barely getting, starting her life. And yet she says, God, would you use me? She did the Isaiah 610. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. I'm available. Even though I'm planning this wedding, even though I'm doing all these things, I'm juggling all these balls, you all know her story better than I do. You know the pain she's had to live with. In fact, even staff, when we mentioned her name, they're like, wow, Haley, she's very quiet. She's very... I said, dudes, what's going on here? This is what God is doing in our midst. He's wakening us up. He's preparing us to receive a greater harvest than we've never imagined. This is what God's doing here. And it's all the result of your prayers. Well, you can blame the person who's been interceding way before I even stepped into the picture. But this morning, would you stretch your hand out to Haley? When I shared this with, the, with our staff and I shared this with the, with, the, with the elders, there was just excitement at the next step of this church's history. So stretch out your hand. Let's pray for her. We're gonna, Lord, Father, this morning, we want to lift up Haley to you. Father, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the resources. We don't have all, everything we need. All we have is a willing person who has stepped up and said, if I can be of service, please use me. If I can... Proclaim the gospel of Jesus to the younger generation. I am available. I'll figure it out. I'll talk to my employer. I'll talk to my dad. I'll, I'll make changes so that I'm available to serve the name and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you bless her a thousandfold for her obedience and her, and her willingness to even step out? We don't know if this is going to work or fail. 
but we're willing to believe by faith that this is what you want for your church. And so we bless her. We bless her future plans. And we ask her, Father, uh, uh, solidify this partnership for your glory and your honor in the mighty name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Haley. Lord bless you. Give her another applause there. <clears throat> Secondly, Paul's intercessory prayer included the gospel for all who confessed and believe. Friends, people don't need to class 101, 201. They don't even need to become local members of our church. The gospel transcends all of those barriers, and we must proclaim it, and people's only simple response is to believe it and respond to it. That's it. Let's lower down the expectations we place on people and let's invite people to walk towards Jesus. Because we believe that in all things, Christ supreme. Let's love well. God first, others second, and let's be about making disciples. This is our call. This is why we, we exist. Yeah, the rest of the politics and the donkey and the elephants and the green people that walk around here, all of that is secondary. Our politics is Christ. Our banner is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our message, <laughs> right, is the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to the world. That's it. And verse, uh, verse 6, the second part of verse 6 says, As it is also does among you. What does among you? The gospel. Friends, the gospel wasn't just a thing that, that I did 30 years ago when I accepted Jesus and confessed him as Lord and Savior. The gospel is for every day. Every day it's changing me. Every day it's molding me. Every day it motivates me. It refocuses my attention to him who came to die on that cross and was crucified and was buried. And three days later, he resurrected from the dead. And he defeated the power of darkness and sin and condemnation. And now has declared me free to proclaim the gospel of the living Lord, Jesus Christ. So, so... This whole thing that we're talking about is like a prime example. Mark chapter 4 verses 8 through 9. And the other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain. This is the seed of the gospel that landed in our hearts. It produced something. And it says, Growing up and increasing, yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears. Can you hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to the church in the 21st century? The church of Clovis, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to the church. We need to proclaim the gospel of Christ to our community. Colossians 1.4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. That's active participles there that are describing a living, organic community of redeemed. Our Christianity is not stale or dead. How? 
Colossians 1, 3 through 8, by hearing, receiving the gospel message. Colossians 1, 27, it says Christ in you. Colossians 1, 13 tells us by our union with Christ. Colossians 1, 21 through 22 tells us we were reconciled to God. Colossians 2.10 tells us we were filled with the fullness of Christ. Colossians 2.11 and 12 tell us we were united to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Colossians 2.13 tells us we were given new life in Christ. Colossians 2.13 tells us we were forgiven of our trespasses. Colossians 3.1 tells us that we were raised with Christ. Colossians 3.3 tells us we were secured in Christ. Colossians 3.4 tells us we were given a future hope at the appearance with Christ. Colossians 1.12 and 3.24 tells us that we have received an inheritance. And Colossians 3.10 and 15 tells us we were given a new identity. Being part of the body of Christ. Boy, the word of God is living, isn't it? Finally, Paul's intercessory prayer included mature leaders who teach others the gospel. How many of you have had at least 10 years in the gospel? Raise your hands. You're all commissioned now to be teachers and leaders. Pastor, but I have a bad back. I have cancer. You don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. But God is calling you at whatever season of life. You know what the number one issue of our world is? I shared this with several friends. Me and, and Ron Brennan, we went back at it and this and that. And we landed in agreement on this. What's the number one issue in life right now in the 21st century? The world's going to hell? Yeah, there's truth in that. But what is the bigger issue here? People are busy. Traditional marriage is going down. There's an increase of single parenting and cohabitation. We can't expect people to live the values of the 50s and 60s. Jesus is going to find them right in the busyness of their life. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, dark skinned, you're from India, you're from Clovis, California, this distant foreign land. It doesn't matter where you're from. The gospel appeals to all people groups. And it's, biz, it's, biz, it's bidding and inviting busy people to come and walk towards Jesus. And that's what this is all about. I get it. You've had issues in life. You've been burned by churches. You've been disappointed in your past. I can't heal and I can't solve all those issues. I, Pablo Cachon, have committed my life, my ministry, my skills, my abilities to lead others to follow actively after Jesus. Would you join me? Can you commit? Could, would you promise to faithfully give to that cause? 
Because you look at the bullets and turn at the last page, we're, we're over 100,000 under the water. And we're talking about budgets. I'm not going to stand here and beat you up and say, hey, you have to. I'll leave that for somebody else. But I feel so passionate in my heart when I hear testimonies like Haley saying, hey, pastor, are you ready? I could talk to my boss and da 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 I could do all these things. And slow down. Wait. Let's pray about it. Let's ask God for wisdom. And I'm so glad she has. This past week when she was looking at the rooms that we're going to use, that's exciting to me. I hope that's exciting and encouraging to you. This 28th, if I was you, I'd get on Facebook and I'll start sharing, sharing, sharing. And you know what? Here's what you could do to help us. Go on your social media and invite your friends to follow our page. Because there's some good things going on there. So, uh, finally, this is all part of the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. You could read all about it. Here's the last questions I want to leave in your heart and mind. With whom do we invest our time? Who right now has the most? Is it bingo night? Is it, is it, there's nothing wrong with these things. Please don't hear that Pastor Pablo, he's criticizing them. There's nothing wrong with that. Is it that you've worked so many years of your life, now it's all about me? I'm going to put back in my bucket all these things? There's nothing wrong with that. Here's what I'm saying. In your journeys, let God use you wherever you find yourself. I love it when Rick Warren, uh, 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 and I know some people like him, and he's progressed or whatever. Whatever your case is. But I remember what he said. You know what? All we're going to ask you to do is wherever you find yourself in life, take Jesus with you. Might be at the bingo. Might be at the socials. It might be in your neighborhood. Wherever you find yourself, invite Jesus to be with you there. And I want to encourage you the same, to do the same. The other question was, with whom do we use our energy, resources, and talents to build up? Who are you discipling? Yeah, if our, our mandate, and we have it right here in a beautiful sign. We have it right there. It says, make disciples. Who are you discipling? Who are you spending time talking about Jesus? Hey, you, here's what. I'm going to give you this as a, as a, as a gold and extra piece to the sermon. You want to know what's the best way to disciple somebody? Here's how my mom taught me how to do this. She invited all these. My mom was, was, was a professional. She had a factory, a manufacturing company. She had two of them. And she had all these machineries. Um, you could do, but I had to learn how to use the iron press growing up. So I, I, I learned. But my mom, she taught women how to sew. And in turn, all these women began to teach my mom how to different recipes from around the world. She began to disciple. I had another dear friend of mine that said, Pastor, I don't know how to disciple people. But she loved to bake. So she started baking pies and she invited all the neighbors of her, or, or, or the ladies of her neighborhood. And before long, she birthed a small group. I had another family, dear loved ones. They said, Pastor, we never went to seminary. We don't know what to do. They started having ice cream socials. Before long, they started a small group. What do you enjoy doing? Mechanics, electrical, painting, carpentry? Invite people. and We have a shortage of people today. You talk to the, to the uh, in industry. We have a shortage of tradesmen. 
What is it that you enjoy doing? Invite others in the name of Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. So, you all know what's going on around the world, right? If you don't, you better go get the news somewhere. <laughs> or talk to somebody. The calamity, the tragedy, the destruction, the terror. Now, we don't want to fill our hearts with, with, with that, but it does, it does affect us, even though we're halfway around the world. So this morning, I'm going to invite my good friend, Craig Campbell, who's also our missions guy, helps us be very missional. <clears throat> and he's going to share some words and close off our time in the word. And, and then, um, Craig, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, but yeah, grab a mic. Um, he's going to lead us in a prayer. So you could stand up. You could... Remain sitting, uh, seated if you like. Craig, take it, my brother. Lead us Thank into you. this prayer. Thank you, Pastor. Um, as we pray for Israel and what's going on, you sometimes wonder what to pray for. And I found a scripture that I think is helpful, and it may not answer all of our questions, but I think it will bring to heart what we should be praying for them about. In Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 3a, I've got, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not, over, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Father, um, it's really hard to know what to say and what to pray for, but we do pray for Israel. They're your chosen people. Sometimes we wonder why. Uh, they've been up and down. but. You are in charge of all that goes on. You are in charge of them. You are in charge of us. Unfortunately, uh, you haven't changed over time. You want them to love you as we as believers now love you. Um, we think of the war, the casualties, and all that's going on. We don't want to be political about it. We just want you to be glorified. Father, there are missionaries there in Israel in the area teaching of you may those people really see that and understand that you are the real true messiah that came to save his people father just bless them and as we think of them during the week uh, just remember israel remember their leadership people that are fighting and all that that goes on and, and those who are hurt and may die father just be with them uh, and their families, as you would be with us and our families if the situation were the same. Father, just be with us, and thank you for this time to intercede for them, as you have always interceded for us. In Jesus' name, amen.